0: And the first question that I want to deal with today is how do you select people to disciple? So, this is the recruitment drive. Hello and welcome to another session in our teaching series that we've titled, Band of Disciples, Band of Disciples. And we've been playing around with the metaphor of a um, a music band. And uh, we're trying to uh, figure out the similarities and the contrasts that will help us understand what is it like to disciple people, like a band of musicians that develop and grow and become the. Best version of, their, uh, of themselves as musicians. And we notice that the idea of being a disciple of Jesus and the idea of discipling others, it's about building a certain kind of person in the world. It's a Jesus-like human being who displays the image of God in their environments, in their communities, in their families, and in the world at large, the idea here is that musicians—they are not musicians because they have some knowledge of, uh, you know, uh, their instruments. Uh, they are not musicians uh, merely because they practice, uh, you know, their musical instruments all the time. In fact, they are musicians before any of that. They have sought themselves to have. Some type of tendencies and desires that they wanted to be a certain type of people in the world. Musicians who have got the capacity to practice and to exhibit their talents in such a way that transforms the world in one way. Or another. They have a desire, a vision of themselves, of their future selves, and that vision drives everything they do, drives what they do, and as a result, drives what they need to know. And much in the same way, as disciples, we need to know more than anything else that our role is to build a certain type of person in the world. Our job is not to invest in people with some theological knowledge or, or help them and coach them to be skilled in some uh, you know uh, religious activities. The number one priority that unifies everything that we do is that we are committed to helping people consider themselves as little Jesuses in their world. They live a certain type of life, the life that God created us, to, the image that God created us to bear, which was exemplified perfectly in the, in the life of Jesus on planet Earth. And uh, throughout the last two series or mini-series in this particular big series, we looked at the discipling calling, And we looked at the discipling community like a band. And then we uh, begin today thinking about the discipling competencies. As a discipler, which I presume you are, uh, we're not trying to convince you to be a discipler. We just celebrate the fact that God has prompted you to be a discipler. And now uh, we're going to uh, converse together about some skills that are relevant for disciplers. And this particular uh, in you know, a big series, which is divided into these three segments or three categories, uh, we said we want to provide you with a biblical and educational as well as practical overview of discipling. And we did a fair bit of the biblical and the educational aspects of it. So, if you allow me, I would like to concentrate on the practical aspects of discipling in this particular mini series. And we're going to go uh, through various questions uh, that Susie, my wife, and our team as uh, at GenJ, we have looked at those questions over a long period of time. Uh, some of those questions came from our team members. Some of these questions were presented to us in one of the online conferences that we facilitated. And, and some of those questions come to us uh, through individuals or even through consultations with uh, some Christian organizations. So every session we have, it's dealing with uh, at least one question, one uh, um, you know, discipling question about a particular skill. It's more about the practicality of how uh, do we disciple others. Because just like a band, and a band leader or a band uh, facilitator, they need to have some uh, specific skills over time to be able to develop their band members. We, too, as disciples, we need to, um, you know, help each other, uh, you know, and, and inspire one another to gain uh, better competencies in the way we do our discipling. So this is going to be more of a conversation that I will share with you some of our learning as a team. Uh, by no means am I saying this is the way or that Jesus way or any such thing. Uh, these are some of our learnings as we go through uh, this experience of being a community of disciples who are learning as we go how to get better at discipling others. So I I would hate it if you think at the end of each session that we're going to go through that this is the way we do discipling. Uh, We just hope to stimulate your thinking. We hope to uh, articulate some ideas that may get you thinking, yeah, I should do this or maybe I should amend that or maybe I should add this or yeah, this gives me an idea that I could mingle with some of the ideas that I had in the past and create something completely new. We hope that it will just encourage you and provoke you you <laughs> to uh, lean on the Holy Spirit in getting some uh, insights, divine insights on how to better disciple the people that God entrusted to your care. And the first question that I want to deal with today is how do you select people to disciple? So this is the recruitment drive. If you're going to be a discipler and now that you have some understanding of your calling as a discipler and you also in our last series, you have looked at what it means to have a community of of disciplers and the importance of a community for our development and transformation. Now, how do I recruit people? How do I select people to invest in as a group, or how do I select individuals to invest in them in one-on-one relationships? These um, ideas that I'm going to uh, share with you, we've learned from uh, both cases, from our experiences in discipling groups and in our experiences of uh, discipling uh, people one-on-one, and also ultimately it reflects some of our learnings from us being discipled by others, whether in groups or one-on-one. And the first one that every discipler is thinking about, how do I select people? How do I select the people that I can invest in? And I'm going to share with you three of our learnings, three observations, there's three simple steps in uh, recruitment of uh, disciples. The first one is their potential. Number two, two is prayer and number three is the parameters. I'm gonna go through each one of those and try to give you some practical ideas but let's start with a very simple biblical concept that selection is critical in discipling relationships. It's not a a bad thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not an exclusive thing. Selection is a biblical principle. Look with me at the verse that most disciples have memorized uh, off by heart. And that's in 2 Timothy 2.2. And it says, And the things you have heard from me, that's Paul talking to Timothy, heard from me, that's Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses, that's you, Timothy, "um, uh, entrust to reliable people Who will be also qualified to teach others also? We see four different generations. And you see, Paul has invested in Timothy, and now Paul is directing Timothy to invest in people who have some qualifications. Uh, In the new uh, King James Version that I've memorized as a a young fella, it's invest in people who are faithful and able to teach others also. Faithful, that's their character, they're reliable uh, people. They trustworthy people. They have a God-honoring character, but they also have the capacity, the competencies, the potential of competencies to invest in others. Also, the idea of recruiting people based on their potential is something that is biblical that Paul instructed Timothy to do. So here are some of the things that we as a team look for when we're looking for somebody to disciple. We're looking for their potential in a way they are hungry for growth in God. Are they hungry for growth in God? Like do they have some initiative that shows you, that displays to you they actually care about this thing you know the worst thing that we learned growing up particularly in the idea of evangelism is that if somebody's breathing just try to nag the heck out of them until they respond to your persuasion so if, if you've got somebody nearby a friend I, I you know I, I, funny I remember people you know tradespeople people were coming to our house and I, and you know to show off to my dad my capabilities I would just drain the straight people with some persuasive skills, <laughs> telling them the spiel about why they should be disciples of Jesus. None of them responded, mind you. But the idea is, it's not just talking to people every time they can hurry. It's talking to people that we sense they have some sort of hunger. Secondly, are they teachable people? Uh, You know, you and I have seen people and discipled people who every time you talk to them about something, yeah, I've done that and it didn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've tried that before and it didn't. No, no. It's like... Why are you asking then? (laughs) If you're going to always have one better, that's not a teachable spirit. Thirdly, we look for chemistry, relational chemistry, that that person values and personalities and common uh, interests connect with us as disciples. Uh, You don't want to be begrudging the fact that you're going to meet with that person or connect with that person, and you are, you know, uh, it's 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 it shouldn't be a burden. Uh, that you are connecting with that person the last thing uh, you know in a big list of things but that's the most important uh, a few points that I brought up is that They have, those people you're going to disciple, they have time to invest in discipling others. This is not about a pastoral care endeavor. Other people are great at doing that. So I'm not saying that you don't invest in people pastorally if they can't invest in others. That's not the, the, the scope of this particular thing. We're talking about discipling others here. So in terms of discipling others, you need to follow what Paul said, that invest in others who are also able and willing to, to invest in others also so if that person is like in every ministry opportunity under the sun they're involved in the band they're informed in, in the welcome they are involved in, in you know in in um, uh, connect group this and, and uh, mission that and they just overwhelmed with tasks or they're so busy at work they're chasing their tail they're so busy with their family members they're traveling all the time well you're actually gonna waste a lot of your resources and that person might be ready at another time but maybe that's not the right time because they're not willing and have got no time to invest in others the next thing is um you know the prayer the prayer segment look that it's what Jesus did before he selected his disciples it says of him in Luke chapter 6 it says one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God When morning came, He called His disciples to Him and chose twelve of them whom He also designated apostles. Can you see that? Jesus prayed before He selected. He spent all night in prayer. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you and me. And here is how we as a team and, and, uh, you know, me personally look at praying before and during and after selecting people that we can invest in. The first thing I do, I list some names, you know, and you could list some names in your circle of influence, people that are around you, people that are connected to you. And secondly, pray and seek the sermon. Lord, who out of this list do you want me to disciple, invest in, uh, encourage, come alongside? Then begin to connect with them. Prayfully ask for divine appointment. God, help me to actually connect with them. Allow our path to connect. Allow, allow our path to intersect. Allow them to agree to a time where I, where I seek to connect. With them. And whilst you're talking with them during, uh, you know, engage maybe over a coffee, take them out to a match, you know, if you're a sporting person, uh, maybe invite them over for dinner, go with them on a walk, whatever it might be. But whilst you're talking with them about the vision of, of this discipling and you would love to engage with them, obviously, uh, you know, you don't start with that right away, build connections with these people uh, over time, but then ask for God to that soften their heart you know, maybe even fast for a God-ordained response. You don't want to, every person that you connect with, that they respond positively because, uh, you know, maybe maybe they're not ready. Maybe you're not the best disciple for them. I, I, I read in the book of Luke that Jesus would call people, come and follow, and they say, I need to look after my business, or I need to look after my wife, or whatever it might be. So you need to ask for a God-ordained response, not just it's not a sales uh, thing where you're going to get commission out of it. The last thing that I want to mention about selecting people uh, is, is about setting parameters around the relationship that you're going to engage in. And this is also biblical. From Mark three thirteen to 15, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. Uh, uh, this is uh, the similar passage that we, we read, but this is from the book of Mark. And they came to him. He appointed to have, look at the clarity of why that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Can you see the clarity of expectation that Jesus had of those disciples? And you might say, but he had those expectations. Did he actually communicate them? You bet. You bet your life on it. We read in Luke chapter 5, what Jesus would say to the disciples when he called them to himself. He said to them that you're no longer going to be fishers or fishermen, you're going to be fishers for men. He actually helped them understand what this whole concept is about. Mind you, the disciples would have naturally and intuitively discovered what this is all about. You know why? Because discipling wasn't something new that Jesus invented. It was the culture of rabbis and disciples in their era where they knew that to be a disciple of someone, you liked them and wanted to be like them. Uh, So it's important that we would set parameters in our mind of that relationship as well as communicate those parameters with others. So after you engage with these people and you communicate with them and eventually get to the point of sharing with them, you know, what would it be like if we could walk alongside one another spiritually? And 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 if you would allow me the privilege and the honor to support you and, and help develop you in your walk with Jesus, and you could invest in me as well, because it's a partnership that we have together. As you communicate that, whether it's about engaging with you in a, in a community of disciples group, or whether to engage with them one-on-one, or maybe suss them out and wait for, them to ask, there is various ways of doing that. But once you come to the point where it's almost like signing on a dotted line and you're about to engage in a relationship, pause. Don't run into it out of excitement. Say, okay, hey, I am so honored that we can journey together. I'm so excited that God intersected our path. I am so happy to engage with you. But before we do that, let's share some of our expectations. I know women do that far better than men. I know my wife Susie is so brilliant at setting expectations so that she doesn't set anybody else for failure, particularly in the one-on-one relationships that she has in discipling environments. But here are some things that we need to consider. Number one, clarify the purpose of the relationship. They might say, Would you be willing to mentor me or would you be willing to disciple me? But their idea of discipling and your idea of discipling might be uh, complete, there might be complete disparity between both ideas. So you need to clarify. Uh, purpose so they might be thinking you know you're just going to encourage them every time you meet them and you're going to pat them on the back and you're going to have a coffee or fellowship or whatever it might be but your idea is more about development it's about supporting and challenging and encouraging uh, them to go to the next level of their development so be very clear so I always say When I clarify our discipling relationship with people in groups, say this environment is to help each of us to grow in our walk with Jesus so that we can uh, become everything that God created us to be. But it's not just about that. This is about us learning experientially how to disciple others because we are being discipled. So here it's being a disciple and being a discipler. So we clarify the purpose from the very start. In fact, as you probably heard me say this so many times, in every meeting I have with the communities of disciples, guess what? I share with them, we want to be vulnerable enough to grow and we want to make this simple enough to multiply. We want to be vulnerable enough to grow, which makes them very clear that we're not just going to talk facts, hard facts. Here. We're going to open ourselves up for character formation. But I also expect, and based on the scripture authority, well, I expect that they would invest in others also the second thing we do we explain the level of commitment required it might be uh, you know we say this is going to take us 21 fortnights where we're going to be together for an hour and a half every time that we meet and this is the type of commitment that is expected outside the the, the type of of uh, uh, you know formal meetings and we we, we would want to connect um, between the two weeks that we meet I'll pray for you and 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 ask you know I'll ask about you and we'll connect with you and stretch you to go and and disciple others also and 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 explain the type of commitment that's involved in that and then share expectations say if i was to engage with you in this relationship what would be some of your expectations of me and then we also share some of our expectations of them. And another time we'll, we'll talk about one-on-one relationships. I will share with you four expectations. I always tell people that I disciple or I am engaging in discipling. So we share expectations. They have expectations of you. You're not king Huha you just a person that is engaging in, in an equal relationship, even though you're going to be a spiritual uh, parent. But a spiritual parent is selfless, so it's not all on your terms. You also need to understand their background, their, their, their negative experiences in the past, what their learning styles, their passions. You need to understand how they like to be treated uh, and so forth. Then the last thing is agree on a trial period. I love this. Particularly in in one-on-one relationships, we always learn to say, hey, why don't we try this for three months? Or why don't we try this for six months? And gives us both a chance to evaluate, is this something that we want to continue in or not? So you don't want to leave it open-ended so people think, you know, they're stuck for, you know, it's a a life sentence. (laughs) But you also don't want it to be a week-by-week proposition. And if they don't connect with you, you don't know what's next. So Early on, it's so helpful to start by saying this is going to be a six-month investment uh, in this relationship that gives them some sort of boundaries and gives them uh, an exit clause, if you like, in a respectful, honoring, and, and, and a really healthy way. Uh, during uh, this trial period, it's so helpful to be always alert to the spirit uh, whether you are well suited and you fit well with this person. If they don't respond to your text messages uh, consistently, and I see this in our and uh, sometimes in our groups, uh, you know, I would write on the chat and I notice that one or two people are willing to invest and connect and interact, and the others are like oblivious. They are so keen. When they meet together face not face to face, but online every two weeks. But they're so disinterested at other times. Guess what? I focus on those people that I can connect with. And I use the, the group chat because we connect through Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever. I use the group uh, chat to figure out who's interested. And then I I invest and nurse one or two people that are genuinely uh, willing to to take it to the next level. And and I begin to write them, I begin to pray for them and write to them any scriptures or prophetic words that God gives me. Um, I send that to them individually, not within the group. I don't don't let go of the group chat, but I would send them at least a message or two within the the times that, you know, early on anyway, uh, between the times that we're going to meet. And sometimes they just write back with a love heart or (laughs) they write back, you know, thank you. And I realize, okay, they're not really willing to engage. I'm going to keep persisting until God gives me, uh, you know, no, don't worry about it. That's not really the right person for the right time. In one-on-one relationships... Similar things happen. You know, I can invest in people for six months or a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever it might be. And I and I, and I genuinely always ask them. After a 12-month period, I say, hey, do you feel like we could continue? Sometimes I get embarrassed because I sense like I'm going to embarrass them, that they may be not so interested in continuing the relationship. Um, so I, I I give them a, a way out and I, I try to figure out by seeing if they're going to initiate a discussion or they're going to initiate a conversation and it's not a reflection on me. The point, as a discipler for you and for I, is that we don't take this personally. Maybe somebody else is investing in them. Maybe they're not really in the right space of time to connect with you personally. It is not an indictment on our style, or it's not a it's not a judgment on us as as individuals. We need to be very careful that we give people space and a dignity and a respect to choose, and most people will vote with their feet. So uh, that. That's roughly what I think is very helpful for us uh, to look at uh, the three, um, you know, simple steps of recruitment, which we mentioned early on. Number one is we're looking at people's potential and seeing if they're suitable for this. Number two, we're praying and asking God to make, uh, you know, our path straight to direct us one way or another. A yes is as good as a no and a no is as good as a yes. If God shuts the door, it's Perfectly fine, and finally, uh, communicating expectations and considerations and values, so that we start on a on a good note. You uh, know, in most uh, uh, group dynamics, they say that the first little time, whether it's two or three or more, the the first little bit, it's called honeymoon, where people don't really step on each other's, uh, you, you know, they, they they're walking on eggshells, so to speak. But then uh, they they inevitably get into some sort of a storming phase and for us to overcome the storming phase we need to have some norms some values some roles some expectations and they say those people who have predetermined their norms they can overcome the storming phase very um, you know effectively and they move into the performing phase but if we don't have those norms and expectations clarified and spoken out we're going to misunderstand each other we're going to miscommunicate we're going to uh, Potentially fractured the trust and ruined the relationship. I pray, as a discipler who was so invested in, in in following Jesus's great commission, that you would gain some insights from this and add your own on how to select people that you can invest in and see them not only grow to be Jesus-like disciples who, who resemble Him in the world, but that they will become also Jesus-like disciples who would do what Jesus did on planet Earth. Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you again in another of our sessions on this band of disciples. May God bless you. We'll love you and we're praying for you. Have a blessed day.